so today on today's Katie podcast episode, we have Tram and the theme of our podcast is it's 2021, you know, bye bye 2020, where we've made some new year promises or resolutions. So we're excited to have Tram here today. And um, Tram, do you want to say a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you, Randy. Um, am I the first podcastee for 2021? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, you are. Wow. Seriously, such a privilege. No, seriously. <laughs> I feel so special. Thanks, guys. So my name is Trambo. I am a sister of Alpha Kappa Delta Phi. I crossed at the University of Illinois, Chicago in the fall of 1999. During my active hood, um, it was awesome. I was mom to our Epsilon class. I got a little sis, a little bro, lived the active dream. Uh, I came back in 2012 because uh, our house needed support. We built out a chapter alumni association, which I stuck around for a couple of years to manage. And somehow I was introduced to National Alumni Board where it seemed as if I stayed forever. And mm -hmm. my roles were usually treasurer. I was VP for a little bit. And I transitioned onto the foundation to serve as the volunteer CFO. And I did a little stint on AKD5BOD before I landed on uh, uh, serving on the board of Lambda Phi Epsilon as their international board advisor, I think is the title. Tram, you're always so involved. Uh, so always, I don't know how you balance all of it. <laughs> That's just some of it. Um, I am also on the board of NAP Chicago, National Association of Asian American Professionals. And earlier this year, no, last year, 2020, y'all, last year, <laughs> I was appointed as the chair for Asian American group leaders in Chicago. Essentially, if you know what an ERG is, employee resource group, sometimes they call it business resource group. Each company typically will have ERGs or BRGs and think of it as clubs for special interests. Usually with the DNI effort, diversity and inclusion, it's very heightened right now. It is a hot area to be in. So those that are going to school and want to figure out what they want to do, DNI, diversity, equity, inclusion, DEI is is it. So in these companies, these groups, ERGs, usually span off of ethnicities. So there might be an Asian ERG, a Black ERG, Hispanic ERG. And at the previous banks I've worked at, I was able to build out the D and I, pro uh, the diversity and inclusion program and learn how to start these ERGs. So present day, I am the head of the ERG at my company, a bank, and we started from scratch. The purpose is to help our peers that don't have us a place, right? So oftentimes Asians in the workplace are a very few percentage. Um, uh -huh. uh, the other point is we want to inform our non-Asian colleagues of certain things perhaps Asians do or culturally explain certain 
stereotypes that they may perceive. For instance, talking back and that res being respectful, etc. So we just do it. More knowledge is power. So if they understand why we are more quiet or submissive, then it just ties things around. So I was actually really curious, Trem, how you balance all of these things, because that is a huge amount of commitment, I think. Also, from what I see on Facebook, you also have kids, do you not? That's just insane to me. Yeah, Tram is our um, when she was on VOD, I was like, she's Superwoman. She balances so much stuff. Yeah, so I do. I have a soon-to-be six-year-old Aliana. She is my forever Valentine, born on Valentine's Day. And I have Dash, who just turned four, and he is a monster. The good thing is they're 17 months apart, and they can keep each other company. So I think in that aspect, my chapter really supporting me through being pregnant. And at that time, I still served on NAB, uh, be able to participate uh, with my chapter and etc. Um, it was quite an experience. Everybody was super supportive. So how do I do all of these things, right? First mm -hmm. of all, you need a village. And you hear that all the time. You need your village. We used to- Yeah, definitely. You need to try, yes. whatever. Yes. Uh, we live in, we used to live in the city. We moved to the suburbs closer to my family. And all parents want to do is help. That's it. So because of the support from my family, I'm able to do what I seek out to do. And even prior to kids, I already knew I was going to be career oriented. I already knew I couldn't be that stay at home mom because number one, I'm impatient. Number two, <laughs> it wouldn't be fair to these children. They deserve better. So daycare, school provides much better instruction and knowledge than I could. So I knew that going in. And I think knowing what you want helps a lot in the beginning because I have a lot of girlfriends that perhaps have children and whatnot. And when they go back to work after maternity leave, they put in their notice because they can't bear to be away from their children. But you don't know that until it happens. My mm -hmm. girlfriends turn out to be stay-at-home moms, which is okay. And I think the stigma between how we were raised, I think most of our moms were stay at home until we were able to be lock key kids. Is that a thing? Or latch key kids? Uh, I don't know if it's a term <laughs> anymore. Don't worry, Tram, you're forever 25. Thank you, because I am. <laughs> and you know what's so interesting too within the Greek world? Going off a little tangent now, when you share, so I will not as the only way to really be successful and you know get through life if somebody were to ask me when i crossed i will share no big deal usually i'll share if it's my first time meeting someone or i want to get buy-in that's when i'll share but if anybody else shares that's when i have a problem and i'll have a talk and say hey that's not your business to share. And if you do it again, we're done. <laughs> and it works. So. <laughs> um, well, thank you, Tram, for um, giving some words of advice for balancing our... I don't think I, I gave any advice. More. So here's the advice. You balance, no, I... you balance more than most 
I, I didn't say, give any advice yet. Here's the advice, right? Well, besides the village, but you can't do anything. If you're passionate about something, you'll find a way to make it work. That's it. You'll find the sacrifice, whatever you need to do. And this mentality, you cannot do it all every single day, but you can do it all in one week. So decide what you want to be and what you want to do. Today, I'm going to be a student because I have an exam. Tomorrow, I have a meeting with the board of directors for my company. So I need to be on point as an employee. Wednesday, Dash gets an allergic reaction. I gotta stay home and be mom. So knowing that you're not supposed to be everything at one time is helpful because you're not, because no one can do that. That's inhumane, like nobody can do that. No one's Superman, but can be everything mm -hmm. within a span of time. And when you're that one certain something, then be the best at it. And cannot predict what's going to happen in the future. And you have to have that mentality of, sometimes things are not gonna go my way. And to be able to recover quickly and move on to the next is helpful. So a lot of it is mental. The disappointments go along with it too. Mom guilt, I have it all the time. Work guilt, all the time. Can I do better in my other nonprofit organizations? All the time. But at the same time, you have to give yourself credit and you have to see your worth. Because if these organizations, if your company did not value you, you still wouldn't be there. They would have had said, hey, you know, maybe this is too much for you. You need to go. So a lot of it is your worth. So Tram, I actually have a question for you. Um, you obviously juggle a lot of hats but how do you decide or like come to and the internal decision that every single one of like these organizations you like put your time into is worth it i don't think i decided on purpose this universe is crazy and i mm -hmm, think definitely it has a mind of its own <laughs> so a lot of it could be predetermined before you even know it if you look at all of my involvement, professionally, extracurricular, family, etc., it all relates to one topic or one subject. I decided that I am going to do whatever I could within my control in my personal and professional life to save the world. I don't want this world for my kids. When they become adults, I don't want them to live in this crappy world because it's not right and that's why I'm okay mm -hmm. with dedicating the next two three years 24 7 and saving the world and I know it sounds crazy when someone says that how do you plan on doing that that's so crazy but to me at least I'm trying if I can't at least I know I tried if I can just move the needle mm -hmm. one inch then heck yeah that was so when my kids become adults and they go to college, I might not be around or it's too late for me to do anything. So that's why I can commit now 24 seven. And I know that people who may know me through social media, which social media is very harmful, you know, in itself, right? True. Because yeah, I yes. use it. Yeah, I use it to portray. I use it to promote. 
right? Uh, I'm a very private person when it comes to everything else. And the reason being is sometimes you'll get glimpses of Ellie and Dash and whatnot, but usually if you if you notice, you don't. I'm usually talking about promoting uh, civic matters or something I did with the sorority or the fraternity, and that's it. Or talking about something, I don't know, like an orange or a pickle, I don't know. But my mentality in keeping my life private is with social media, you have a million friends or anybody can friend you and people generally do accept all these friends. Why should social media friends get to know me, get the privilege of my personal life when we've never met? I don't know anything about them. It's me giving up something of me for free. So what you see on social media is part of me. It is purposeful, impactful, and there is a reason why I post what I post, but it doesn't explain my whole identity. Trim, I think you don't give yourself enough credit for when you say how I'm going to change the world. Um, now, you and I joined ILB together around the same time, but you know, what are some of the, maybe you can, what were some of the programs that just in your short time you've already like enacted and put together? Because I really think you've been really involved in a lot of things behind the scenes that perhaps, you know, some of us sisters didn't know about. So I, I think when you say, how do you do that? I don't really think is that you're not giving yourself enough credit because I know you've been really involved with a lot more than what you say and, you know, specific programs. I think it's hard. I think when people feel passionate about projects, it is hard to remember the details or answer that question, right? Because you just do it not for praise. You do it because it's the right thing. So you're going to make me mm -hmm. juggle, you know, like think back into months. I can't remember what I ate for breakfast this morning. So let me think. Uh, well, I'll take a <laughs> sip. Huh. How about let's just do 2020? Mm -hmm. What happened in 2020 So you think... Um, help move that little needle well i don't know if the needle moved but i hope it is getting a little wedgy with apa votes since it was election year i knew it's going to be a very instrumental year for us for everybody mm -hmm. seeing what was happening in the outside world etc i worked with apa votes to ensure that uh, akd5 was represented and I don't know how the first town hall that APIA vote had, mm -hmm. I only found out maybe a week or two prior through my other nonprofit organization through NAP. I thought, where is the sorority? Where are we? So I started to stalk the executive director, <laughs> email, Facebook every day until I could get an answer. And I would explain, hi, I'm Tram, and I belong to the largest Asian interest organization. I talked about our membership. I talked about how we have the Asian vote, the Asian youth vote, etc. And finally, she gave me five minutes of her time, which I asked for it to be video because 
I knew if it was by video, she could see me speak and my passion. I would prefer video call over phone call, over anything else, over text, because you can see if someone's true or not. And that five minutes turned into 20 minutes of her busy time. We got our logo front and center for that town hall. I don't know how I did it, <laughs> don't ask me. Maybe it was luck. But since then, that's kind of what started it. And mm-hmm. we built out a team. I had two great actives that were so passionate about APIA vote that they were volunteers for years. There was Charlene from JMU. And also we had a sister from Madison, Wisconsin. What we did was we just cheered on our sisters. Our sisters already wanted to do the work, the phone banking, the registration. They just needed to know how to do it, how to do it the right way, and how to execute. So essentially, we were the cheerleaders for our sisters. And Tram, I think you did an excellent job. I think you even came up with like a cute scroll, <laughs> lots of like um, hashtags. Um, kudos to you. I know you were working really hard for that. Um, do you think that in 2021, do you have any projects you want to carry over from 2020 that you've started on? Or um, do you have a different way of looking at perhaps working with Greek Life now that you've been on two different uh, national boards in one year and also dealing with, as you said earlier, this year, 2020 has been challenging for everybody. So do you think, what do you look forward to in 2021? So interesting, you mentioned Stroll to the Polls. Uh, Through that effort, it was an organic effort led by alumni who came out under the rocks. I didn't even know who these people were. Uh And we got connected to Maisha Land, who was the AKA Soror, who started the Stroll to the Polls movement. And she calls me every day still. We connected on that level. But prior to the election, I think she knew the statistics. And the statistics were low percentages of Asian voters, especially among Asian youth voters. She reached out and she needed our help. That's where my alliances came up with the Bangra to the stroll. Stroll, which I don't stroll that you do that is very popular with strolling yeah so it's our little inside joke so it was her idea actually she said hey how about somebody create a bangra stroll and so my line sis who is indian made one up and i didn't think i could do it i didn't have a lot of hope but i did it because it would help change the world right just to participate Mm -hmm. so with that seeing that we were all able to unite and seeing the gratitude of love and working together towards getting voters out there, encouraging individuals to bring their moms out there, their grandparents, etc., who may have not voted for the first time. It was such an amazing experience. And I may be a little bit biased and don't quote me on this, but I really think that we helped veer the election wherever it went 
because we brought out that extra oomph at the end. So going forward in 2021, I've had conversations with the APIA executive director, Christine Chen, and I want to be able to make the civil engagement something that we don't do every four years, something that we should be doing all the time, every year. And what is it that we're going to do in order to promote civil engagement? I don't know yet because we are still waiting for January election results. So we gotta let that die down. But I do plan to have conversations with APIA and National Voter Registration to determine how I can help and how the organizations I serve for can help too, because it's just not one org thing, it's an everybody thing. So how do we make mm-hmm. this important? And how do we instill it in our, where it is so important that you pass it down to your kids? Like, yes, you have to vote. That is the minimum requirement to being here, to living in a free world. That is incredibly inspiring, Tram. So I'm actually really curious if you have any advice for anyone who's interested in also pushing the needle and saving the world. How do they get started on that? Well, you got to find your passion. What are you passionate about? And you got to go towards there, right? So you, the world needs a lot of help. I'm only one person, (laughs) right? I cannot, I can only do so much. What I've been probably saying for the last year or two, and only because I've learned this about myself, this is what you and everybody else can do to save the world. We need to use our strongest asset, and that's our voice. Because if we do not advocate for us, for yourself, who's going to do it for you? No one will. Don't quote me, but this is my hypothesis that I'll share in two two decades of the finance industry. The amount of work you do doesn't matter. The quality of work you do matters to a bit. Don't mess up. Give decent quality of work. What matters is relationship building. It's who you know, because think about it. In every segment of business, whether you are working corporate America, whether you are owning your own business, healthcare, et cetera, anything, people want to work with people they enjoy to be around. They don't don't wanna work with negative Nancy's or somebody that may not offer any insights, et cetera. They wanna work with knowledgeable people that they can relate to, that are humanized, So what I started to do after I figured that out, I did a lot of coffee meetings, introduce myself, get to know everybody. And I think that's probably why my network is large and it's come to a point where I can go up to anybody and start a conversation. And I used to not be able to do that, Mm -hmm. but with practice, it just happens. Whoever you're trying to talk to, whatever topic that is about, if you're going for an interview, right? They may think you're 12 years old. 
They may think that you barely finished high school and that's real though. So what do you do? You talk about accomplishments in college, your extracurriculars with the sorority. And anytime I'm able to bring up Greek life, I do. If I am written in a public release, I mention the sorority, I make them put it in there. And if I can talk about it, I will, because there's that stigma of being in a sorority. And when I explain to people of what the sorority really is, majority of us are second generation, third generation. Our parents are immigrants. As of right now, we didn't grow up, majority of us, wealthy, etc. And it gives a different perception because we joined the organization to belong to something, to be with people that looked like us because we didn't have that growing up. And when I explain that to people, it's their eyes open and they say, I never knew something like that existed. That's amazing. So I think it's how you explain it can make it or break it and how you word it on your resume, word it the right way, captivate them. So when I said earlier about using your voice to advocate for yourself and others, but think about it. If all our sisters, if all our active sisters were able to speak their truth through their voice, however they do it, maybe softer tone, maybe not as direct as I am, all our sisters, right? How does that impact society? And how does society view Asian Americans if we were to use our voice and speak our truth? What changes? Because we stayed silent, we don't have resources for us. Look up Asian women resources for mental health. Nothing. Look it up for men, Asian men. Rarely anything. But if we were to speak up, then people would know, oh, yeah, that's a sector that we need to help. Now they're speaking up. So if anything comes out of this, use your voice to speak your truth because your truth is facts. So I was wondering how that actually happened for you and what strategies you have for actually developing your voice. When I came into the sorority, when I started, I was 17 years old. <laughs> Alpha class, class of 10. And there was one girl that was a month younger than me and we needed permission slips <laughs> to start the process, right? Timid, shy. <laughs> I was the one, my nickname is Lala. I was the one that everybody had to make sure that I was accounted for because and even now I might, you know, veer here and there. So as I age, you never really remove yourself from part of that personality because maybe that's me. Working in corporate America, especially in finance, have you heard of the bamboo ceiling? Through a lot of my professional development workshops and working with NAP, somebody always talks about the bamboo ceiling. And that essentially is the glass ceiling for Asians because as Asians in corporate America, you can only get so far and that's it, nothing more. And data shows it. The percentage of Asian CEOs 
continues to drop in the U.S. every year and also in Asia. So the bamboo ceiling does exist per these data points. So I was just never a believer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until it happened to me. You don't realize you hit the bamboo ceiling until you fall flat face on cement. When you know that you cannot go any further within your career, and that's just it. And when I hit that bamboo ceiling, it hurt. And I felt so silly talking ish about it <laughs> prior, right? When I fell straight on my face. And so that was a moment in my career when I thought to myself, okay, Tram, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna stay in corporate America and fight for it and do whatever it takes? Or should you do something else? So I decided I already invested all this time. I just have to figure out another way. And I didn't know what it was going to be but I just had to figure it out, new strategy. It was it, this internal struggle, like, what do I do? How do I make it? Because I see how others make it. And that is through the Western mentality. But we live in the Western world, so obviously that's what you gotta do. So I made a deal with myself. I said, okay, Tram, when you're at work, you Westernize yourself, do what you gotta do. But when you come home, revert back wanted to interject and ask how you draw that line because it's such a huge change from the Western and Eastern. It is. It's all mental. You have to be okay with it yourself. And that's what I was struggling with in order to progress. You got to be okay with what you're doing and you got to define your own line, right? So I knew that I was going to always be transparent. I knew I wasn't going to lie, cheat. And I was going to do things my way, but use Western tactics and I'll share. So at meetings, I started to speak up, but with valid points. You know, sometimes you're in meetings, nobody talks, nobody says anything. Or there's always that one person that says something, but it just doesn't make sense because they just say it to say it. So strategically, I made sure I was prepared for my meetings and was able to offer one useful suggestion or comment, etc. So I practiced that. And then once I got a handle of that, white men or men in general love to interrupt women. Love. Oh my God. Yes. yes. Love so it. True. So I learned to, excuse me, John, I'm not quite done yet. May I have a few more minutes? The first time I did it, oh my God, I was shaking in my boots, but I couldn't show it, right? And I couldn't believe I did it. And he listened. Oh my God, like he stopped. Remember, exactly. we are living in a Western world that I use Western tactics, but with integrity. Tram, I actually am still stuck on something that you said earlier about like resumes. Um, and I know we're probably like, what, 15, 20 minutes past that now, but I still wanted to ask you because one of my friends 
their parents own this financial advisory company and then they're like talking to me they're like offering me an internship offering me to like uh, redo my resume cover letter which is so so nice of them but on my resume I have a section about like AKD5 and they're like you need to take that off and I was like why like this is so integral to like my college experience it's definitely influenced so much of like my leadership style and then there are just like people don't like to see Greek life on resumes because they think that it's you know people who are involved in it are stupid. It depends on what you write in that section for KD5. How do you explain it? Do you talk about it is a cohort of multicultural women finding space to utilize their voice to be agents of change instead of college sorority with breast cancer awareness as a philanthropy, right? So I think touch on what is the value to you of the organization? What did you get from that? And put that on your resume. So I can say that the reason why I continue to serve all these years, which I've been trying to retire for the last million years, right? <laughs> I will know because I, I, I found out why. So yeah, interestingly enough, right? Uh, a few years ago, I decided to seek out um, a therapist because my friend Charlie said, why don't you talk to one? And after him just talking about his all the time I said okay why not right what's it gonna hurt and I had four criteria one had to be close to work I wanted to go during work time two had to be Asian I didn't want to explain why we do things culturally three I wanted fraternal organization background so the first one three out of four I remember in our pre-call I, I made that this the worst decision ever. As we were hanging up, he said, any more questions before we meet tomorrow? And I said, yes, I have one. By chance, are you a Lambda? And he says, no, is that an issue? I said, no, that's not an issue, right? I just wanted to know because there's not a lot of Asian people in Chicago anyways. So, when we went to my first session, guess what we spent a whole hour talking about? That stupid question I asked at the end. And I told him, I said, dude, I just wanted to know if you were in my inner circle. That's it, right? The Greek world is not that big. So after we got over that hump, lasted a year and it, was, it just wasn't a fit. So finding a therapist is just like dating. The second one, I found he hit all area. He was the mental health advisor person for an East Coast university in the Panhel FSL group. So he was aware of Greek life. And I was like, okay, this sounds promising. And I remember the first day I came in there and I said, tell me why I can't retire. <laughs> Even though that was a joke, but not really a joke, I actually found out I, earlier this year. And I think that's probably why I'm kind of full circle. So this is the reason. Growing up as a child of immigrants, you just go with the flow. 
I barely spoke. They didn't put me in ESL because I just nodded and smiled, which meant, yes, the name Tram is not even how you say it in Vietnamese, but I didn't understand anybody. And so that's just what they call me. In Vietnamese, it's pronounced Jam. And it's funny because my parents now call me Tram. <laughs> so <laughs> instead of how you say it in Vietnamese, right? So it's not good. But when I joined the sorority, my UIC chapter, they gave me the emotional connection I was longing for as a little girl that I didn't receive from my immigrant parents because they were young themselves trying to figure out how to provide food on the table, how to pay for rent, etc. And I was lacking that. So the sorority, they were my first hugs, kisses, I love yous. And do you ever hear when people say, for babies, all you need to do is love them, nurture them. That's all they need. They don't need any of these materialistic things. I wasn't nurtured until I joined KD5. And I'm so lucky that, and I was able to be nurtured by my chapter. They were my first love. No wonder I couldn't leave because without nurture, without that emotional connection, I shouldn't be here right now. Such an essential human component. So once I figured that out, you know, I, I needed time to process and it made so much sense. And I think at my next session, I said, Joseph, okay, my first true love, we figured it out. I can't peace out tomorrow. I spent more than half my lifetime with this organization. What do I do? And that's when we came with an exit plan. And my exit plan was, I was gonna gradually take on a term and slowly allow myself to be removed. At this time, I had become enemy to uh, Wilfrid Laurier, uh, they class winter 2020. I call them Canadify since they're from, yes. Canadify. Yes, cute. since they're from Canada. And um, I knew I still wanted to be around just to make sure that their foundation was set and whatnot. So I knew I wasn't going to leave immediately. So I stayed, I took on a term and I stayed. Um, they just recently crossed, what, earlier last year. Wow. I feel that, first of all, Tram, I think all, at least me and me. No, don't uh, let I me rant. Think that like, they cut me off. Forever, no, because that, that one was like, want to so listen to sweet. you. That was amazing. No. Yeah. No, that was, that was wonderful. It's like so. I feel like Asian Greek is so new that it's really hard to find people who have been involved in AGC for you know longer than like five years. And like, I think a lot of that for me has come from talking to MPHC members who are adults. And like, I find the most commonalities there because it is so rare to find someone who crossed. Asian Greek before 2010, right? So I think, yeah, that was just like <laughs> that's the wow. second time I've Chef heard of Chef's Kiss, actually. <laughs> Don't mind me. Tram, so obviously, you uh, you are always intriguing and 
I always feel a little bit inspired after talking to you and we want to thank you so much for, you know, sharing all your, I can't even say it was just 2020 experiences. I feel that you always share more than just one year's <laughs> worth of like change and growth. And it's, uh, it's always refreshing to hear. And, um, I'm very lucky that I got to serve on the board with you for a little bit. And we're so appreciative of you coming on the podcast today. Um, last story, I promise. And it's a, it's a <laughs> short one. So around the time, maybe at the last year or so, you would see young college students protesting for something after something happened, somebody would take action. And as I was watching the news, I always waited. I always waited to see a young Asian college student, a young Asian take action. And I never saw it. And I thought to myself, but why? Knowing just the KD5 population, we're huge, right? And there are 20 total Napa organizations. Why don't we see ourselves out there standing up for something? And it got me curious. And so I started asking questions. I could say that because I was enemy to Canadian Fi, I'll tell you, when I looked at the roster and their birth dates, <laughs> I was like, they were all born after I crossed. How am I supposed to relate with these girls? <laughs> what the heck? Like, what? <laughs> but age doesn't matter. It's thought. It's the mission. It's everything else. Age doesn't matter. So it turns out I can relate to anybody. And as these young actives reached out, I was going to be selfish and ask my questions too, right? Since I was giving some sort of advice, I don't know. And I figured out why, or at least my theory of why we don't see Asians advocating after something happens or why. It's because we don't know that we can until we're told. And I've had several conversations with Asian men and women. And I asked them, did you know you were capable of and whatever it was? And usually it's no. We don't know until we're told that we have the ability to unite and make it happen and move that needle together. It can't be oneself. And when they realize it, like how I explained the example of amplifying our voices, if we all did that, just speak our own truth, how powerful is that? Crazy, right? So knowing that we are more than capable is a start. And that's been my message all along. Whoever's ear I can get into, you can call me the hype girl of everybody and their moms, right? Mm -hmm. But if you win, I win, we win. And I think that's something special about us. Because if you think about Western culture, if you win, I lose. Sucks. 
but with us, you get promoted, heck yeah. One more step towards moving that needle, recognition, lifting each other up. So that would be my message. Utilize what you got, your voice. Know that you're worth it. Know that you're enough. And if something doesn't work out, try a different strategy. There are a lot more people out there like us than we know, and it's okay to ask for help. Thank you again for listening to Katie Fycast with me, Randy, your professional development manager. As always, if you have any sisters you'd like to nominate to podcast with us, please do reach out to us at development at akfialum.org. Till next time.